are found in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Uh, we have been going the past couple weeks on uh, the subject, Daily Planner, basically walking through Psalm 101 as an outline uh, for a good day. I believe if we look at Psalm 101, read it line by line, and apply it in our lives, we can have a better day than what we typically have when we get intentional. Uh, I don't want to be someone that's just random and sloppy and casual with each day. It's not to mean that God doesn't move spontaneously. Uh, I mean, it looks spontaneous to us. God's always methodical about things, but us sometimes just spontaneously obeying God. We need to do that, obviously. But if we are intentional about what we do with this vessel every day, I believe God meets intentionality. I believe that God blesses people that plan to live for him. But what I want to go through here today, uh, this is going to be the third part of it, and we're going to read through Psalm 101 a little bit again today. Um, But Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45 says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeks rest and finds none. Jesus is talking about when a devil, something that is contrary, a spirit that is not of God, exits a person. You know, when we get something out of our lives that has been involved in our lives, that has had a hold on us, when it goes out of us, it says that spirit does not die. That spirit is looking for somewhere to live. But this spirit in this situation does not find anywhere to go. So look at verse 44. That spirit says to themselves, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds that house empty, swept, and garnished. He's talking about a person. The person is a house. The Bible calls us a temple of the Holy Ghost. And when we get the wrong spirit out of us, we can allow the right spirit into us, and I thank God for his deliverance. But then the Bible says that that spirit comes back, and we've been talking about making sure our home is clean, that our home is right, our life is correct with God. But that devil's still looking for somewhere to live, he wants a house, he wants a tabernacle, and he sees that same person. It says that house is empty, swept, and garnished. And that word garnished literally, it's, it's, it's clean and in order. Everything looks good. Everything's together. Everything looks like a good, godly, clean home that is in order. But the key thing here is that it's empty. And so in verse 45, it says that spirit goes and he finds seven other spirits more wicked than himself and enters into that house and dwells there. And the last state or the end result of that individual is worse than the first. Even so shall it be to this wicked generation. For God to do a great work in our lives to cast and get all the bad out, which is what we want. I want every wicked, unclean thing to come out of my life. And God is more than able and willing to accomplish, to perform, to do that. But as we have went through Psalm 101... And we've just kind of mentioned, okay, we, we shouldn't have this in our life. We shouldn't have this in our life. We shouldn't have this in our life. And, and lots of uh, great conversation, discussion. I've had feedback from people that have been listening online about this particular subject matter. Uh, it is important that we don't just get rid of stuff. We need to put something in the place 
of what we removed. If we do not replace what we removed, it's going to return and the results will be worse than before. It sounds crazy, but it's, if, if you've ever been an addict to anything, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, addicted to drugs, alcohol, porn, uh, addicted to, you name it, whatever it is. When you get it out of your life, there's that purging, there's that cleansing, there's that freedom. But then when you relapse, you go all out. You, you do it way harder, way worse than you did before. You go into binge drinking, binge watching, binge whatever. And so this is why it's important. When the spirit goes out of a man, we are thankful that God removed it. But God wants us to replace what was removed or it will return and the relapse will be worse than we were before. And those that uh, have lived in that uh, cycle, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll be doing good for, you know, a week. You'll be doing good for a month. You'll be doing good for half a year. You haven't drank for half a year. You haven't been, you haven't been watching porn for a year. Whatever it is that removed out of your life. But once that relapse happens, I mean, it's just like a floodgate. And you just go off the rocker, off the wall. And this is why Jesus says it's important. Yes, we get empty, swept, and garnished, but we need to replace what was removed. And so we got to plan that. We got to do that intentionally. So I want to walk through Psalm 101 again, not just talking about what's removed, but what we replace, what we put in the place of what was removed. So we look at Psalm 101 now, verse 1, and we talked about this Psalm of David where he says, I'm going to sing of mercy. I'm going to sing of judgment unto thee, O Lord. Will I sing? And we were talking about planned values uh, a couple weeks ago from this verse and talking about how a song depicts an artist's values. And we must make sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this particular scripture with music and with media because it is one of the major things that is in everyday life, especially in our society, is music. We listen to music all the time, nonstop, pretty much every day. Not every single person here. Maybe some people live in meditated silence all day. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the far majority of our society, you see people with AirPods and earbuds in their ears, bobbing their head, moving around in their car, music crank, motorcycle, music crank, in their house, music crank. It's just a nonstop loop, always playing. And I, I remember uh, sitting in a music class when I was at Indiana Bible College, and, and the teacher, Lyndall Anderson, he was, he was talking about the, the shift of music today versus his day. I don't know exactly how old he is, but the scene he was describing makes me think he's kind of old. Uh, because he was talking about, like, there was a, only one radio in the house, and they could only catch a signal at certain times. On certain days, it was stronger than others. And they would tune in to listen to that radio station on that um, radio. And But he lit, I want to say Arkansas, Alabama, maybe some people here know. But wherever he was from, it was out in the sticks, country boy. And in any time that music was played, the family would gather around. And they would just all lean in because they would not be able to listen to music that frequently it was something special it was it was something reverent it was something sacred to them and so he was now saying on the flip side 
There's like virtually no reverence for music. There's really anything could be thrown out there. Anything could be called music as long as it really just has a beat. It doesn't even have to be all that technical. It just has to be catchy. It's just a completely different world that we live in today, and it's constant taking in. And I, I, I want to speak to this, this reality is that we have to be planning what is it that goes into our ears. What music do we put? Into our ears. And what purpose is the music serving us as we play it? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't play music 24-7. You, you do whatever you want. But sometimes the very thing that you saturate yourself with, you can almost grow numb to it. And you can lose the value of it. And I, I love listening to Jesus music all day. I love listening to all that stuff. But sometimes it could just turn into background sound. And it's no longer actually worship. It actually becomes something entertainment. Now, I'm not slamming, damning, condemning you if you play music in your car. You understand what I'm saying. But there, there is there's something sacred that can be lost when we just kind of blindly do things on a constant basis without stripping and removing it. There's seasons in my prayer life where I make sure there is no music going on. Because I just want to get back to just my voice and God. And I don't want just some... Uh, sound in the background, either determining where I go in prayer or just being something to drown out the, the, the void in the background. I want my voice to be heard. But there's other times when I exit that season of an absence of music and I re-enter into the prayer closet with music, there's just this added emotion and appreciation in that prayer. Because I haven't listened. If you've been here a part of this church long, if you, you remember the season where, I don't know, it was probably three, four years, we had no music in an altar call. Because we we're trying to break that culture of silence and trying to get find our voice in the altar. And I know it was like pulling teeth and trying to break, you know, that, 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 that difficulty that we had as Pentecostals to go over the hurdle and realize, you know, we can use our voice in prayer. We can use our voice in worship. But when the music came back in, there was a genuine appreciation. There was a genuine joy that came back in. And now we try to have altar call with music, have altar call without music. It's not that music in and of itself is evil or wrong at all. But we got to make sure we don't lose the value and the appreciation of music. But not just the value and the appreciation of it, but what is it that we are listening to? I'm talking about outside of this building. You don't have to question and worry it would be a sad day to question where I wonder what kind of music is going to be playing over the PA system here. I wonder if it's going to be, I don't know, Mariah Carey, if it's going to be Eminem. I'm probably dating myself by naming those artists. But, you know, you don't have to worry about what kind of music is going to be playing over this system. You know, when you come to the house of God, you're going to hear music that's about God. But I'm talking about what we do outside of this building. What are we listening to? And the song choice, the song selection that David said, I'm going to sing about mercy and judgment. We mentioned how judgment is God's verdict, not our verdict. God's say on the matter, not our say on the matter. And it will be unto thee, O Lord. I like to sing, but who am I singing to and what am I singing about? And David says, I'm going to sing songs that are unto God, that are about God. And so as we're talking about, you know, a lifestyle change, which is a big deal. You know, if you've been in the church long enough, it may, didn't, some of these concepts don't seem like a big deal to you. You're like, oh, this is boring, this is lame, let's move on, dot com, whatever. But not everybody's where you're at. 
There are people that literally are going through a complete different cultural change in their world right now as they're coming into the church and things that they've never heard before, things they've never even considered before that would seem like basic ABC one, two, three to us at the, the basics and common sense is not around today. It's non-existent in our society. It is absent. It is void. It is dismissed. And God wants us to make sure that we have, in, in Colossians chapter 2, it talks about the rudiments of this world. It's literally the elementary system of the ABCs and one, two, threes back to the basics. And so it is important that we realize as we're coming and serving God that we got to remove some things that are not about God. And if music is a big part of our everyday, we got to ask ourselves, what music am I listening to? Is it about God? Is it unto God? Does it magnify God? And if it doesn't, what is it about? Is it about self? Is it about anger? Is it about wrath? Is it about sex? Is it about drugs? Is it about rebellion to authority? And the list goes down. And it may not seem like that big of a deal if you've been doing it for an extended amount of time. Because it's just, you kind of grow numb to whatever it is that you've been doing it for an extended period of time. But you got to ask yourself, when you're planning your day, maybe I should, I should be a little more intentional about my day, what it is I'm doing and what it is I'm not doing. And when I read about a man that's after God's own heart, the songs that he sang was about mercy. The songs that he sang was about the verdict of God. The songs that he sang was as unto the Lord. It's one of the hardest things. This sounds simple, but it is extreme. It's one of the hardest things to do because music is powerful. It is powerful. I, I love music. And it was one of the most difficult things for me to do. When God opened my eyes to what I was setting before my ears and how what went into my ears went into my inner person and it would bleed out later down the road. It was like a mind bomb went off inside of me. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Like I was never, I mean, I, I yes, every, I had to temper all that kind of stuff. But when I started feeding that temper with angry music, I was into skating when I was younger. And but if, you know, all the skating videos and you go to skate parks, it's basically anger driven music. It's just it's heavy metal and it's anti authority. It's uh, it's things that are not about God and it's it's old rock and it's all about drugs and all that kind of stuff. Is, is it any wonder that a high majority of those that are into the skating scene end up in that drug scene and end up in that anti authority scene? I'm not saying if you're a skateboarder, that means you're going to be like, you know, leading riots throughout the United States of America. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But maybe we should ponder and question and pause for just a moment. Like, what's going on? Why is that segment seem to be anti-authority, anti-police? Why does that segment of society seem to be about vandalism? Not that all of them are, but there is a high majority. I've, I've lived there in Chicagoland area where there's lots of skating and all that going on. And it's just like there's this common march, this common pace, this common theme, this common vernacular. And it's not just that. There's other segments of society as well. The music that we listen to, I would encourage you, if you are a person that listens to music throughout the day and the music you listen to is not about God. Pause and actually read those lyrics that you're reading about and ask if you would like to step into a pulpit and just read those to the congregation. 
Would you want that read into your child's ear? Now, some of the lyrics get lost because we're enjoying the music. We're enjoying the rhythm. We're enjoying the beat. But those words are powerful. Those words have impact. If you're struggling sexually, it's not a good idea to listen to sexual music. If you're struggling with anger, why would you want to listen to anger-driven music? Songs that bring praise and worship unto God is a song selection that we should have. Songs that edify the soul. I would encourage you, try changing your tune. And start seeing if it would actually cause you to change your tune, the way you're living, the way you're acting, the way you're behaving. All of a sudden you start listening to Christian music on the way to work. You listen to Christian music on the way home. You listen to Christian music in your home. You listen to Christian music in your AirPods while you're at work and whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening. Try listening to songs that you hear sung in this place and remove the other type of music that you've been listening to And I promise you, I promise you, there will be a difference, a complete, total difference. Now, it's going to be like coming off of drugs. If you ever came off of drugs before, if you ever came off of alcohol before, it's an extremely difficult thing. And and you're having withdrawals and you, you just want to listen to it. Behold the power that music has upon you. There is a, uh, my wife and I, we have fostered a few times in our home and there was one young individual that we fostered one time. And uh, uh, the short end of it is uh, they were 10 years old, maybe 11 at the time. I can't recall, but they were, they were young. And I remember sitting in my home downstairs, and I, I felt this, this wicked, this just very grotesque, perverse feeling as I'm downstairs. And uh, it led me to go upstairs. So I go upstairs, and I walk in, into uh, this foster child's room. And, and he, he is he's stripped naked, and uh, he is performing self-gratification. I'll just leave it at that. It was, it was a horrific scene to watch a child that young. And so, you know, I, I, I told him, I need you to get dressed. And he got dressed, and, and uh, he, was, he was pretty scared, didn't know, you know, what I was going to do. Uh, but we sat and talked. You know, I came out of that world of pornography, and so I was very comfortable having this conversation with him. And so as I'm having this discussion with him and, and trying to just kind of go back and uh, uh, through his story and life, what happened, how things unfolded and unveiled, he began to open up. And uh, he, he didn't know anything about Christian music. And when we got him, he was so bound. This was not a one-time experience. It happened regularly. And it was a very difficult process that we had to go through in our home. But his, his journey is I began to ask him, when did this all happen? When did he get into pornography? And uh, he told me he was nine years old, and he was basically at someone's home. And while he was in that home, they were listening to a song in the background. And the name of the song was called Porn. And at nine years old, he never heard the song. I don't even know who the artist is, but I guess it was some uh, popular song. And he was listening to a song called Porn. And so it, 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 he, that word caught his attention, that one word in the song. And so he went to his device, and he looked up on Google porn. And that is when the floodgates opened up to this nine-year-old boy. It's just a song, some would say. It's no big deal. It's just music. It's, it, you don't need to read into it too much. But words constantly are going out. Spirits constantly are going out. 
And they attach themselves to ears. They attach themselves to people. And this pure, innocent, nine-year-old boy, after that was no longer the same, for years bound by a new addiction, all because music opened up a message to him that he began to explore. Words have meaning. Words have influence. And words have consequence. Every word matters. Every word has an influence. Every word has a consequence. In Psalm 101, verse 2, and as we're going to that verse here, again, I, I, I implore you, if, if you open yourself up to secular music, meaning non-Christian music, it is one of the greatest doors you can close. It's one of the most difficult doors to close. But it will be one of the most beneficial doors for you to close. And I know that it's difficult because there's sentimental value as well attached to music. Because you may have been raised in that culture, raised in that atmosphere. And you, you accompany that with your siblings. You accompany that with your parents. You accompany that with your extended family. There is an emotional tie. I'll never forget the, the, this uh, reading this article about music. We're going to get to verse 2 here in a moment. But in, it was um, uh, Dr. James Dobson from Focus on the Family was interviewed about the most controversial topic that they've ever had to cover that had the most heated debate on his show. And he's talked about everything on that show, everything. And he's, he, without hesitation, he said music. He said music was the most heated debate and controversial subject he's ever had to address. And, um, and they began to ask him why, and he began to explain it. He said because music is, is connected to the soul. He says it's connected to emotion, it's connected to memory. And he began to explain, especially when you get into, he says the most heated was when he was talking about Christian music. And uh, there's, there's people that are adamant, like, you know, it's got to be Southern gospel or it's of the devil or it's got to be, you know, contemporary or it's got to be modern. It's got to be, you know, Christian rock, Christian rap, whatever, whatever venue. And he says people get very passionate about their genre within Christian music. And when somebody speaks negative against someone's genre of music, all of a sudden you're, you're actually almost attacking their soul, their heart, their connection to God. And it gets very heated. Anyone ever been in a discussion with somebody where they start arguing for or against Christian rap, for or against Christian rock? It's some of the most gnarly conversations you could ever see, especially at Bible college. I mean, people pretty much set their Holy Ghost on the side of the curb and were about to throw fists and haymakers just because they were arguing which style of Christian music is appropriate or not appropriate. Because it's, we're emotionally connected to something. And so it is. We got to understand this may be a very difficult, offensive subject matter for people in this room, but it is something that you will benefit from. I speak not theory, from experience, making that line in the sand and moving on into a realm where I allowed the things that were edifying go into my ear. Uh, Psalm 101, verse 2. We talked about behaving ourselves wisely in a perfect way, meaning planned behavior, how we walk within our house. And as I mentioned, change behavior is going to be one of the most difficult things there is, not just for new converts, but people that have been in this long enough, but then living a certain way for an extended amount of time. And nobody can tell you nothing because you've, you've been saved for so long. You know, you know all the vernacular. You know the message. You know the doctrine. And that's, that's, that's just as difficult to be saved 
to be in the truth for decades and then somebody tell you something that you have not heard before or disagree with. That's just as difficult. In fact, I I have found it to be more difficult to try to pastor and work with people that have been saved for an extended amount of time than working with new converts. They both have its struggle, but some people, it's, it's hard to work through the idea, well, I'm saved, I, I know, I know this, you don't need to tell me nothing. But that's another message for another day. We've been living a particular way for decades. Change behavior is extremely difficult. And the truth of the matter is, in all of this, it's not a mere action that we are taking. We need the grace of God in any and every work that we change. Because we could do all the work, but if we don't have the grace, it won't work out in the end. It turns out ugly. And even if you can accomplish a work without grace, then you, you have basically something that is of the flesh, something that is not of God, something that begins to boast of oneself and boast in one's work. I, need God, I needed God's grace to deliver me from the, the, the music. I needed God's grace to help me where I am today. I am what I am by the grace of God. Someone say amen. So we need God's grace and power. And, and anything that you begin to adjust and shift in your home and in your life, pray daily, God, I need grace. I need your grace. I need your miraculous power. But when we talk about this change of behavior, removing some behaviors, we got to replace those behaviors. And one way to learn right behavior is to read the word of God. I know that doesn't sound like rocket science, but you'd be amazed how little people actually read and search for something to apply into their life. God, speak to me when I read your word. I don't want to just go through the routine and check something off. I want to read it, and I want you to speak to me through your word. God's word is the number one way I hear his voice. It's the number one way I get direction. It's the number one way conviction hits me. It's the number one way inspiration hits me. It's the number one way I hear from God. And if you want to learn right behavior, you've got to read about the behavior of the spirit, God's holy nature. Another way to learn right behavior is to find a real life godly example and ask for advice. You you might have your favorite podcast or church or uh, uh, whatever that you like to listen to, but you can find real life godly examples right in this room. This should be, this should be your source of influence saying, you know what, pastor and, 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 and pastor Jared, they are leading a godly example for my family to emulate. I, I, I don't really know how to maybe handle this situation. I'm going to, I'm going to do my personal responsibility. I'm going to pray and I'm going to read it. But I, I'm, I still need help. I'm, I'm not finding it. I'm struggling. Pastor, can you help me? Now, I'm not talking about like, you know, which way do you put the toilet paper? Should it be over or under when it comes to being on the, the, the spool or whatever you call it? Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to be engaged in that battle. We know that we're overcomers and not underachievers. And so, but the, the reality is I don't want the things that are spiritually complex in our lives that we actually struggle with. Pastor, I I can't break this music thing. I don't know why I'm struggling with wrath and anger. I don't understand why uh, this language keeps pouring out of my mouth. And then you ask for someone that is a real life, godly example, and they can begin to speak to you and say, hey, 
let's troubleshoot this. Let's figure out what's going on. Okay, you struggle with curse words. What kind of music are you listening to? Is there cursing in your music? Are, are, you, are you watching things on YouTube with cursing in it? Are you reading things with cursing in it? What, uh, uh, let's, let's pray about this. Let's join together in this. This is how we can change behavior. Yes, the grace of God, but God has graced us with godly examples around us to help us in real life situations. Now, this may rock your world. My wife and I, we've never cussed each other out. Uh, you may think this is some like self-righteous uh, list that I'm doing, but it's not a self-righteous list. I, anyone that glories, let him glory in the Lord. I'm just letting you know what God has done in my life. There, there are real life examples in this room where in a marriage, they've never cussed each other out. In a marriage, people have never physically assaulted one another. In their marriage, people have never thrown items at each other across the room in anger. In this room, in marriages, people that have never used the D word. Never put divorce on the table as some sort of option. I'm just saying, in this room are real life godly examples. And I believe that if you would connect yourself to the body of Christ, you can find help. Joint supplying, which it talks about uh, the body being fitly, fitly framed as a skeleton, as a body. Those, those joints providing marrow and nourishment one to another. But if you are dislocated, see, sometimes you look like you're a part of the church because you're in the building, but you could be dislocated. I don't want to look as if I'm a part of this church. I want to be connected to this church. And as I mentioned the other week, don't, don't do the poor me. Oh, nobody talks to me. Nobody calls me. No one. No, you could be proactive and you can reach out to people. You could talk to people because people are happy to help if you would reach out and say, I need help. But there's the pride issue where we don't want to ask for it. We have to humble ourselves and say, I need help. I really need help. I, I've been trying to do this alone and I'm, I'm just not succeeding here. So here's some planned behaviors that you could add into your home. As we remove stuff out of our life, here's some things you need to add into your home. Number one, read your Bible for personal devotion. You as an individual, you might have this grand scheme for your family and whoever you're responsible for. But before you start trying to lead the whole entire family, hopefully you're, you're leading yourself correctly. You know, because, you know, we could have a, a, a service here and you get on your, you know, Praise God, hallelujah, bandwagon, and you exit the building, and you start, all right, let round up, everybody. And they're just like, man, you, just before church, I, I just saw you drinking, and I saw you doing this, that, and the other. And so, it, so start leading by example. Start having personal devotion. And so if you're not daily reading your Bible, daily read your Bible. You need to feed yourself if you ever want to feed anyone else. Number two, here's something you could add to your to, to your. Uh, your home and your life after removing things is read your Bible for family devotion. Read to your kids. If you're here and you're a parent and you have children, you owe it to your children. I hope everyone can hear this. You owe it to your children to let them hear the word of God from your mouth. And if you are a husband in this room, you are a father in this room, it is critical for them to hear the man lead it. I, it, it, we live in a world where it's, it seems to be where all the ladies seem to be the spiritual ones. 
The ladies seem to want to take the spiritual responsibility. The ladies that seem to take this spiritual things upon themselves. No, we are supposed to be the priest of our homes. We need the greatest influence is the influence of a father for the better or for the worst. And if a father of a child can sit there and open the Bible and read to them, there's, there, there's, there's nothing like a man of God reading the word of God. Doesn't mean mothers cannot read to their children. You need to read your children. Everyone get involved. Everyone participate. But if you are a family unit, they need to hear you read to them. And you could do this daily. Every single day, read to your children. And uh, have the scriptures read aloud. Number three, transition to it where it gets to your children are reading their Bible. Your children are reading their Bible. And you have to get the family on the same page if you want smooth sailing. Because remember, if, we're, if, if, you're, if you're in the midst of, of a culture shift in your home, and you're having the kingdom of God enter your home, and you're having morality and Christianity and purity enter into your home, it's going to be a collision of kingdoms. It's going to be a collision of appetites. It's going to be the spirit against the flesh. And so this is why, if you're wanting that to change, personally, you need to grow. And then you need to start feeding your family. But then you also need to part, start putting on your family the responsibility to read the word for themselves. They're going to kick. They're going to scream. They're not going to like it. But you're, you're not called to be their friend. You're called to be the parent. You've got to have those, those struggles, those battle royales saying, look, I'm the head of this house. I'm the parent. You're the child. No matter how much you kick and scream, this is the way it's going to be. Now, I don't encourage you on day one, have them read 50 chapters. <laughs> like, but dad, I never even read the Bible for you. read 50 chapters. Crap. No, no that's, not, that's not the wise thing to do. You do got to incrementally work into it. You got to build up to it little by little, line by line, precept by precept. Gradually bring it into their world, especially if it's never been a part of their world. And so it's going to start off with some turbulent air. But as, as you gain altitude, you're going to find that nice streamline. It's going to be a smooth ride. But the first takeoff, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to have battles. But it will pay off in the end. Number four, personal prayer time. If you do not have daily personal prayer time, you have to have daily Personal, and this applies to everyone, a new convert, old convert, whatever your kind of person you are. You need to have daily prayer because you cannot lead people spiritually if you're not in the right spirit. you got to be in the right spirit. you got to daily pray. And if you don't know how to pray, a simple model is A-C-T-S, Acts, you know, like the book of Acts. Start off these four things. If you just give two minutes to each one, that's eight minutes of prayer. If you give three minutes to each one, that's 12 minutes of prayer. And you do the math, five minutes, that's 20 minutes of prayer. But start off your day by adoring God. Just say, God, you're awesome. God, you're wonderful. God, you're incredible. God, you're holy. God, you're perfect. God, you're amazing. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I give you glory. God, there's no one like you. Just adore him. Give every compliment possible to God. And then the letter C, confess to God how not awesome you are. I'm a sinner. I'm wicked. I messed up yesterday. I messed up this morning. I messed up this afternoon. God, forgive me of my sins. I am sorry for everything I have done. I ask you to clean me, to purify me, to wash me thoroughly. 
And after that, you go to the letter T. Thank God. Thank God for forgiveness. And thank God for every positive thing that is in your world. I thank God that I have eyes and I can see. I have hands. I have use of them. I have legs. I have use of them. God, I thank you. I have ears. I have use of them. Whatever it is that you are given, give God thanks for it. And you'll feel his presence. And S, lastly, you submit to him whatever your requests are. This is a healthy model of prayer. And after you are comfortable and you learn how to pray by yourself, Pray with your children. Start leading them that in that model. If your children in your home do not hear you pray, you're not leading your kids the best you could be leading them if they don't hear you pray. If you're not teaching your children to pray, don't, don't rely on this church to do the parenting. We're going to do what we can to model, to exemplify, and to teach the truth and doctrine. But there has to be a father. There has to be a mother. There has to be a husband. There has to be a... That's, that's how you see kids really take off. Because they can have a good time here. But in the home, if they're not getting the same thing as they hear here, it's, it's counterproductive. And so, it's, again, we're talking about a, a complete culture change in your home, possibly. But you need to say, you know what? Pastor's not coming at me, beating me over the head, saying I'm a loser, I'm pathetic, our, our family's a bunch of waste of time. No, no, no. I'm just showing you God has removed things from your world. Now let's replace them before what you remove returns into your world. Because if you don't replace what you removed, it will return, and it's going to be far worse. You'll have a relapse, and you're going to spiral out of control. But by the grace of God, we're adding things to our life. I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to start reading my Bible. And not just me, but I'm going to get my spouse involved. Not just her, but I'm going to get my children involved. And I promise you, you will see the temperature in your home change for the better. You, it takes time. You're going to have some major battles. But if you do it wisely and you ask for advice. I'm not giving you every inth detail how to go about it. But if you, if you genuinely want the culture of your home to change, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Jerry. We are more than happy to help set some sort of game plan for you. So you can be successful in your home. Because strong marriages and strong families will make for a strong church. Where we don't have to be stressed out about how, I wonder how people are coming into this building this day. I wonder what's going on. If we're praying at home, we're reading our Bibles, if we're spiritual at home, when we come here, we're not going to have a spiritual battle. We're not going to come here all bent out of shape. We're going to come here primed and ready to go in the Holy Ghost and have a fantastic time in church. Someone say amen. Amen. Um, Do the above and... And you can start expecting God to show up. Just like he said in verse 2. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Expect God to be visiting you. Expect God to be showing up. I'm going to pause there just because it's a quarter till. We stand together. We didn't go through a lot. But we nailed a couple points that I, I hope that you would get into your spirit. Get into your spirit. You got to replace what you remove. I thank God that He's removed drugs. I thank God He's removed alcohol. I thank God He's removed porn. I thank God He's removed lying. I thank God He's removed fighting. The the things that had me bound, I thank God He has liberated me. But from personal experience, I have discovered that I they were turned back, and they came back with a vengeance. And all of a sudden, God just opened my eyes to Matthew chapter twelve. That I never replaced what I removed, and that's why I relapse. you got to do it. And we, even as Christians have been doing this for decades, need to be reminded 
Okay, okay, if, if, I, if I feel this temptation coming back, if I start slipping back in, okay, I, I, I need to make sure I have no vacancy for any spirit that is contrary to come into me. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your truth. I pray you teach us, God. Lord, we want to be right with you. We want to be intentional about every single day. I thank God for all the deliverance that is represented in this house. I thank God for all the miracles that is represented in this house. But in the name of Jesus, it's not good enough for us to be empty, swept, and garnished. Lord, if we have not replaced what was removed, I pray God that there is joy unspeakable, full of glory inside of us. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, daily disciplines of Christian living would be with inside of us. In the name of Jesus, let it be so on earth as it is in heaven. We give you praise. We give you glory. We need your grace for this. In Jesus' name.